0: Nightlife, with Philip Clark,
1: on ABC Radio.
0: This year marks 220 years since one of history's great voyages of discovery was completed. I'm talking about that of Matthew Flinders and his crew, sailing in a rickety old thing called HMS Investigator, which made the first modern circumnavigation of the Australian continent. Uh, the expedition took from, uh, place from 1801 to 1803, and it meant the outline of the Australian coastline could be seen on a chart. and Australians, well, modern Australians should all note that Flinders gave the country its name. One remarkable fact about that voyage, though, was that Matthew Flinders had in his crew his young cousin by marriage, one John Franklin, who was then a 15-year-old midshipman. Now, John Franklin, of course, went on to fight wars against Napoleon, then the USA, before he became the governor of Tasmania. Then Van Diemen's Land, Franklin's name, of course, you can find in many places in, in Tasmania. But his early revolu- expeditionary experiences also led him to further exploration in the frozen north of Canada. And this is where Franklin is primarily known. He is most famously, uh, of course he most famously perished trying to discover the famed Northwest Passage. He died on his third and final expedition in 1845 when the ships disappeared and so did everybody else. And it wasn't until recent times, actually, that they uh, were recovered. Author, journalist and historical researcher Anthony Hill spent the past 25 years writing historical novels closely based on fact, and his latest is called The Investigators. It draws on wide-ranging sources into Flinders and Franklin and The Investigators' Voyage, and he joins us this evening on Nightlife. Um, Anthony, good evening. Welcome to Nightlife. Good evening, Steve. Great to have you with us too. Uh, Flinders' voyage, of course, was has been been well documented, hasn't it? It led to the mapping of the Australian coast. I don't think, I don't suppose, not everyone knows that John Franklin was on board. How come he was on board?
1: Well, he was Flinders' cousin by marriage. He was fifteen year old. Uh, He, as a as a little boy, would hear the stories of Matthew and had the letters read out at home. Uh, that Matthew had written during his first time in New South Wales, uh, 1795 to 1800. And he was uh, smitten with sea fever. He first saw the sea when he was about 12. He walked down to the Salt Fleet in Lincolnshire, Hmm. saw the sea, and and, uh, thereafter said to his father, I want to go to sea, and despite much parental opposition, he eventually went on a voyage thinking that would cure him, you know, cure mm. the sea fever. In fact, it just made it worse. And his father eventually allowed him to go into the Navy, the Royal Navy, with with the Flinders, the backing of the Flinders family. Okay. Mm. So, Flinders,
0: he, so Flinders picked him up in that way. That's how he got picked up as as crew on the investigator, was it?
1: Yes, yeah, through, through Flinders' sister, Henry, uh, Flinders' cousin, I beg your pardon. Uh, she was... Uh, uh, a, a close friend of the Captain Lawford of HMS Polyphemus, and he prevailed on them to uh, let um, young John Franklin go on as a as a volunteer, and he sailed with the ship. He took part um, as a 14-year-old in the Battle of Copenhagen, a very bloody battle um, in 1801, April 1801. Got back just in time to be able to join Investigator. Matthew had promised him a berth if he could get back in time, and he did. Oh,
0: yeah. What was his job on, on on the
1: Investigator? He was a midshipman, right. but he had a particular aptitude for mathematics. Right. And he had a very brilliant mind, apparently, he was one of those shining, shining, shining young men. And Matthew uh, began teaching him his navigation. Of course, with his mathematical mind, he very quickly picked it up and he became Flinders' right-hand man, that he called it, uh, helping him uh, with the daily navigation once they began um, charting the continent. They reached uh, Cape Lewin is where they, they really touched land-made landfall, initial instructions from the Admiralty were that they were to proceed more or less straight to Sydney and then go back and start again. But Matthew wisely began the survey. So he at,
0: began at Cape Lewin? At
1: Cape Lewin, mm. worked around into King George's Sound. He just, uh, the coast was known up to around the head of the Great Australian Bight, mm. which Flinders named, actually. Mm. And from there on, he, it was new discoveries for the Europeans. So it was,
0: so it was new discoveries for the Europeans, what, all the way around into the Great Australian Bight, up around where current-day Arnhem Land is, and then mm. down through the Kimberley?
1: No, no, it was it was ne- that, that was known most I was of say, like that the, would have been known, the west yeah. coast, the West yeah. coast, and the North Coast had been mapped by the Dutch, so at Carpentaria and the East Coast by Cook mm. what wasn 't known was the South coast uh, east from the head of the great Australian bight ah, right, okay yeah, mm. so it was Flinders who discovered uh, the two gulfs thinking, hoping that they were uh, would turn into passages, waterways mm. through to the north coast, but a well, disappointed when they turned into the gulfs, but an important <laughs> discovery. And he found uh, also a Kangaroo Island, right. uh, which they discovered, and had a huge feast, a dreadful slaughter of kangaroos. But uh, it was their first fresh meat in four or five months. So, mm. You know, and uh, was that the voyage? There...
0: That he ran into the French on that voyage too. What well, exactly? He?
1: After leaving Kangaroo Island, uh, he. Uh, sailed on thinking he was made landfall and kept thinking he was discovering and then he saw what they thought was a white rock and it turned into be the sails of a ship and it was Bodan, hmm. one of Bodan's ships. And um, uh, Bodan had, had sort of charted the, he'd been in Tasmania and had charted the coast um, more or less east from uh, uh, Cape Otway. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so they weren't the
1: thir- first. But then, neither was Baudin. Uh, a French, uh, an Englishman. A Grant had come somewhat earlier than Baudin mm. and had touched. land made landfall at Cape Otway and uh, uh, sailed east. And he was the first to actually sail through uh, from west to east through Bass Strait.
0: Mm. I love the story of the exploration of Australia's coastline and how many people have claimed to be the first because I must say when you when you go back and do a history of the maps there was a marvelous exhibition at the National Library some years ago. Oh, wasn't that great? Ma- mapping Australia and I think if you oh, I think if you walked it? out of that that, 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 that and, and and concluded that <laughs> Cook was the first person to see the east coast of Australia you were very much I think mista- it, <laughs> mistaken.
1: That, that's a very vexed topic I have to say yeah. amongst amongst uh, cartographers. Yes. yes. Uh, it's a very vexed topic but mm. So I found so it very difficult <laughs> to not to believe that with all the Portuguese and exactly. uh, the various mm. artefacts they found, and New Zealand too. Yes, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. But anyway, I suppose history goes to those who write it. <laughs> and uh, this this seems to have happened in in, uh, in Cook's case. Not taking anything away from his voyage, of course,
1: but he was uh, the first, at least, to have his have his charts recorded. That's right. And that's and, right. And, and the outline of the map. What what, swanked, uh, what Flinders did was not only complete the outline of the of the south coast mm. from uh, Encounter Bay on. Was it was by then known, and actually some of it had been charted. Mm. And he he, he verified uh, Cook's charts up to on the east coast up to at least. Uh, uh, Sandy Point Cape Sandy Sandy Cape uh, on Fraser Island and uh, thereafter he he had to make corrections there was more Westing in the land than Cook had allowed for but he had a chronometer and Cook didn't Mm. and John Franklin's job frankly was to look after the chronometers
0: Yes, exactly. Were these were were these were these the, the famous Harrison clocks, or were they? They were they were they, no, were they were subsequent editions of this,
1: were they? They they were no, they were uh, uh, subsequent uh, versions of Harrison's number three. Mm. That was the the one that was in fact a watch. Right. Okay. And and it, one of the conditions of, of the Harrison getting the prize was that they had to be replicated. Yeah. And they were by Larkham. Cook had one of Larkham's. One, Chronometers on, on his second and third voyage.
0: But not his first one, you're right. You're right. Mm. Yeah. So it's, look, you know, and not taking anything away from Flinders because his act of, his feat of seamanship and managing to get this this rickety boat, which was half rotten, but from all accounts. Oh, it was, te- it it was, was terrible. Just, I mean, they'd give him a shocking boat, I and mean, he was lucky to survive, really, wasn't it?
1: Well, well, they were. I mean, the boat was taking up to eight inches of water an hour.
0: An hour. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, in, 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 you know, in, in, in a rough, even in, a, in, in just a heavy sea, yeah. uh, coming to Cape Town. Um, and once they got into Australia, it, it became worse. And in the Gulf of Carpentaria, they got to um, the Wellesley Islands. It's now Mornington and Sweers Island, that he called it. Uh, and they made a survey of investigators. It was so rotten that the uh, master and carpenter didn't think it would last uh, more than six months. Mm. And uh, they reckoned they'd had three months to complete the survey of the Gulf, which they did, and just found, um, and Flinders acknowledged it openly, that, that the... The chart of the gulf that had been known in this sort of bight almost square cut out of the out of the continent was in fact the result of a real survey by the dutch in the 17th century tasman and others and uh, it was a, you know, and he verified that, and his charts were used for je- for oh, 150 years. Yeah, yeah. So mm. what?
0: So just just back with Franklin, uh, because the tragedy of Flinders' like, subsequent life is is uh, been written about um, yeah. mm. uh, extensively. Of course, it's one of the great sad stories, isn't it? Really, oh, Flinders. He, he after this great triumph, of course, and having prepared the material for the publication of all these charts, on his way back he gets in. He gets interned by the French on Mauritius and he's there for seven years. Yeah. Um, yes. Probably and, and, prob- and probably in some ways it was almost Flinders, uh, Flinders' fault because perhaps if he'd handled it in another way, the French might have let him continue. But anyway, well, no. well,
1: that's, it was. I mean, he was. They were back at war, yeah. and I can understand the governor wanted to be very circumspect about his papers. There were other issues involved. I mean, there was on board and ships were. A man, was a man called um, Francois Perron, He was one of the naturalists. He arrived with, with the, the French at Mauritius you know, some months before Flinders and he wrote a report um uh, urging the invasion of, of uh, Sydney mm. um, and saying that you know that if, we, if we get now, if we if we strike now we we can take it but in 20 years of time we can't you know our infernal enemy and all that sort of thing and in a way I think it was largely pal fantasizing but um uh, by the time, well, well, reached, well,
0: yeah. it was vulnerable, wasn't it? I mean, the, the truth but, oh, is, if yeah. the French had arrived with it a significant force, then Sydney would have. Uh, oh, that's f- right. They had no real defenses.
1: No. Undeniably, uh, it would seem that uh, that the governor of Mauritius was um, mm. uh, was was interested. The, the one of the military men on board both ships had actually uh, also gave plans as to how it might be attacked overland, mm. um, but. Uh, uh, the result was that there was great suspicion on Flinders. He was the, the governor invited him to it. He looked at his passport and hummed and hard for a few days, and then invited him to dinner. Hmm. And uh, Flinders just—he was usually a very circumspect, diplomatic man. But this, his temper got the better of him. He and did. And said, "You know, <laughs> you know, you know. Once you, re, if you release me, I'll join you gladly. But I won't join you until I'm free. Hmm. And uh, only the governor could decide when he would be free. And it turned yeah. into six and a
0: half years. It did. And of course, in the meantime, his f- freshly married wife was waiting for him for all those years.
1: What? A, just back to Francis A, a to, few weeks. Sorry? So all I, a few weeks was all they had.
0: That's right, before he, he died. Yeah. He was to
1: bring Anne, Anne with him on the ship and leave her in Sydney while he completed the uh, circumnavigation. The Admiralty found out and said if he took her, they'd, uh, they'd supersede him with somebody in Sydney. Mm. So he left her behind. Terribly sad It's a very, very sad And choice. his letters are so poignant, you know, mm. they really that's are. That's right, that's right. Sorry, so b- b- back to Franklin. Franklin. So mm.
0: Franklin, of course, what, what happens to Franklin after this? He goes off and fights in the Napoleonic Wars, doesn't yes, he? Yes,
1: yes. On the way back, they decided, they got to Sydney and they arrived in Sydney in June of 1883 and sort of completed the circumnavigation. And then the ship was condemned and uh, it was decided that, uh, that they would take a ship called the Porpoise back to England and try and persuade the Navy to give, get a new ship mm. and so bring sailor sailor back and, and pick up where the survey left off, which was in Arnhem Land, just really uh, mm. Arnhem Bay was the last major place they saw. Um, but they <laughs> only out a week and they struck an unknown reef um, off the Great Barrier Reef and uh, the ship was sunk. They were accompanied by two other ships, merchant ships, and one of those ships... Uh, plunged onto the reef after the porpoise and uh, they were marooned overnight not knowing what had happened. The third ship called Bridgewater was seen coming in to sort of save them as they thought and then suddenly sort of turned away and uh, without even sending a boat out. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was terrible and uh, I think the only answer was the captain's cowardice. Mm. They could see the wrecks and they assumed everybody was dead without even going to look. Yeah. Fortunately, there was a little sand island uh, in the in the lagoon formed by this reef, and um, it's still called Wet Reef. Mm. And uh, and there's and they, the men there were ninety four of them I think on this little sand island. It's about three hundred yards long by a hundred wide, and they fortunately porpoise stayed upright on the reef, and they were able to salvage. Uh, all the food stocks, much of the equipment and gear. Poor old John Franklin lost all his clothes, as did the other midshipmen. But they were able to bring ashore enough supplies to sustain themselves for three months. And, and Flinders took off in one of the boats to uh, Sydney uh, to get help and returned.
0: Right. Yes, and uh, Franklin. Franklin was marooned. There. He, he went on to to great things. Franklin, though, didn't he? he? He did. He got.
1: He he went with the the main ship that went back home. Flinders took a little tub called Cumberland, mm. twenty tons or something, and to head back to England quickly and had to call it Mauritius because he was about to sink. Mm. And uh, but F- um, Flinders, um, sorry, Franklin and the others. Well, they went to. Uh, uh, to um, mm. uh, to Hong Kong and then and then into China yeah. and then uh, back to England and uh, John was only at home for a few weeks before he was recalled to the navy and sailed off with the fleet that ended up at uh, at Trafalgar. Well, also he um, was at Trafalgar. Okay, he was at Trafalgar. He was a flag midshipman on uh, on his ship, the Right. and uh, took the famous signal. Uh, oh, okay. England expects that every man. We'll he was, <laughs> mm, And he was on the quarterdeck, apparently. It was so bloody, that uh, battle, mm. and particularly the shooting from the tops, you know, the marksmen. Uh, uh, Nelson was killed that way, as was uh, Captain Cook of uh, of the Polyphemus was killed, mm. uh, of the uh, Bellerophon was killed. And, uh, but John, they say, was one of only three or four men left upright on the quarterdeck. He was didn't get a scratch all day. He mm. was... Targeted by a sharpshooter, but a, a sergeant fortunately got the sharpshooter first.
0: Yes, all right. He's, um, and as he's, as we've mentioned, he went on to um, to uh, to other other things. Became became governor of Tasmania, and then yes. of course ultimately perished in the in the thing he's most famous for, which is the search for the Northwest Passage.
1: He made three expeditions to uh, to the Arctic Circle, uh, two of them overland, and the third. Was by sea in the attempt to find the Northwest Passage, and it's believed that they did. And Franklin is credited with the discovery, mm. uh, while though he was sick on the ship, some of his crew um, made it to an island, and they could see in the distance the clear waters of a, of a channel. Yeah. And it was one of, the, one of the channels that was ultimately discovered to be part of the Northwest Passage, which is now open. very Which large, is now open we? almost year-round, actually. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> yeah. of climate change. Because of yeah. climate change. That's mm, right.
0: mm. Of course, it wasn't the case for them. They were iced in for three years. And three pro- years, And yeah. probably pro- they were iced in for that long. And, and probably I think the explanation is that they, they all starved to death.
1: Partly they starved to death. It's said that, uh, from what they found, I read that uh, it appears that some of the uh, tins, the tin mm. food they had, a lot of tin food, but it wasn't properly soldered, mm. and that um, it, it, you know infections But se- mm. some of them would have died of food poisoning. Mm. Others tried to go overland. Uh, and as I said earlier, uh, mm. there was distinct signs that there was cannibalism. Mm. The, bloke, the poor bloke, who uh, English, uh, he was a clergyman who just, who put forward this hypothesis that they'd actually cannibalised them themselves after talking to Inuit in in, in 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 the, mm. in the region. He he published this this belief that they ate each other, and the Victorians were so horrified. The man was completely ostracised. Well,
0: mind you, cannibalism in the navy in, in seafaring times was not as unusual as people oh, of <laughs> might not. might say. Of, of course. Well, so. All right. Mm-hmm. We well, better we better leave it there. But it's uh, the, I'd love to talk about this all night because it is such a fascinating tale. But it's a great well, tale. It is a great tale. Well, and mm-hmm. well done in the book too. It's called The Investigators. It's a novel. It's not a history book. And uh, it's a historical novel. An historical novel, exactly. But as
1: accurate as I can make. No, no, I no, no, no. All these no. things. Things happened
0: exactly, mm. exactly. Mm. So, mm. as a way of reading about, about seriously about the, the the voyage of Matthew Flinders, which every Australian should know pretty much by heart, I would have thought. This is uh, why it's, I it's, do it. Mm, uh, it's a good starting I guess, point. Mm. Oh,
1: and I think every every generation should should tell a tale anew. I, yeah. I write it as novels so they can speak. But once <laughs> they speak, you must know it's the author. <laughs> not not. Matthew All right, Flinders.
0: Anthony. We'll leave it there. But thank you.
1: Thanks.